Welcome to Twilio's Patient Experience Podcast Series. This is episode two in the series of three podcasts. I'm Patty Inrado with Hims, and I'm with Christina Sung, Director of Product Management Healthcare at Twilio. Welcome, Christina. Thanks for having me here, Patty. Great. So today we're going to talk about telehealth, patient engagement, and interoperability. So, Christina, my first question to you is, you know, as the pandemic started, what challenges did you see your healthcare customers facing? I think we can all look back uh, about a year ago when all of the healthcare organizations, uh, their biggest challenge was trying to stand up a solution in um, overnight. They went from being able to see patients to all of a sudden everything shutting down and needed a way to engage and virtually engage with their patients. And so you saw many of our customers coming to us, um, having put Zoom, Skype, FaceTime in place, and really reining in the doctors who were using anything and everything that they could to connect with their patients. And so that was sort of the first rush. And then when um, a, lot of the, a lot of the organizations decided to put um, th- those makeshift solutions in, security became a huge issue. As you recall, Patty, remember the Zoom Bob incident and, and some of the um, challenges that many of our customers were having around the security um, of the solutions that they had put in. So that was sort of the second phase. And so we started to see customers come to Twilio looking for a, um, a solution that they could sort of grow with. And we also saw customers actually coming to us who already had telehealth solutions in place, but those actually weren't uh, scaling with them. So they went from a handful of televisits here and there to all of a sudden trying to jam you know, as many as hundreds and thousands of uh, telehealth visits in one day. You saw a lot of uh, customers coming to Twilio saying, my system that I have, um, my vendor XYZ, you know, isn't scaling with me, I need a scalable solution. And so those are some of the challenges that we heard from customers um, at the very start of the pandemic. Great. So what were some of the common pitfalls that the organizations fell into? Obviously, there was a security issues that I just security issues that I just uh, went through. But um, I'd say some of the more nuanced issues and challenges were um, uh, very relevant to the business like billing. Providers weren't necessarily equipped or taking the time or educated and enabled to bill properly for the telehealth visits that they were having with their patients. And, you know, before they didn't have to, Um, there were providers that probably went uh, about their day without having a single telehealth visit. And now um, these doctors had to figure out how to code for these, how to bill, um, and not to mention um, the provider system themselves might not have been equipped to get that level of coding done. And so, uh, many of our customers we heard from said that they were that they were health telehealth visits that weren't getting billed for, paid for. And there's obviously the broader um, reimbursement challenges that you know came with telehealth overnight. But you know, even barring some of the changes that CMS made in response to this, I think a lot of organizations were taken back by um, you know not having the right infrastructure for supporting telehealth workflow, even on top of the the technology for video or voice or whatever that might be. Great. So how has the challenges of healthcare organizations shifted, you know, as we begin to move out of the pandemic? Well, I think the, um, the first thing in the post-pandemic world for a lot of the healthcare organizations, if not all, is how to get patients back in the door. How do we help them get revenue generated? A lot of people forget that healthcare is a business. You have to make money. And, uh, you know, overnight last year, all, everyone's elective procedures got canceled. And um, those are really where a lot of the healthcare organizations uh, they depend on the, that revenue stream to um, help fund the, the 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 care programs across the board, and all of that went away. So, how do we get uh, patients back in the door? How do we get doctors paid? Um, that's really the 
the, the primary challenge I think many of the healthcare provider organizations are dealing with. And so, yes, virtual care is great, but you know, we have to think about reimbursements. Um, how, will, how long will the reimbursement extensions um, that extend telehealth um, that have been put in place as a result of the pandemic stay? How many commercial payers are going to adopt um, a more of a lasting policy? I think we're going to have to keep a close eye out on um, what that looks like, again, because uh, I mean, getting, uh, getting revenue back into to these systems to fund uh, bigger and better initiatives for digital health will, will be critical. So how do you think patients want to be interacting with the healthcare system? Do you think they'll be thinking telehealth versus in-person visits? You know, I think uh, each person will have their preference, and there, but, but there's definitely going to be a higher bar across the board, I think. So let's take my mother, for example. She actually managed to get through the entire pandemic without a single video visit, but she did manage to uh, get us logged into her patient portal for the first time. So that's a win for her system that services her. She, they had never been able to get her onto, um, onto my charts or their patient portal, but for scheduling the vaccine, she said, I'm going to do it. And I helped her through it. And now she has access to the patient portal and knows how to work around it. Um, but still yet, she's going to prefer to see that doctor in person, and, um, and, and, so, and that's where her preference is. I'll tell you a story about my, my personal experience. Last May, uh, it was about two months after everything started shutting down here in the U.S., I came down with a case of shingles. And I was also pregnant at the time with my second kid. Uh, I was in my first trimester, so very high uh, risk alert. And uh, yeah, I wake up one morning with terrible pain and uh, I don't know what to do. So uh, by the way, I'm a Kaiser member out here in California and I've been a Kaiser member for over a decade. And they've been doing this type of telehealth enablement for a long time. They have an advice nurse hotline I can always call. They've been doing telehealth on and off. Um, So I call the advice um, nurse hotline. They transfer me to a doctor right away. And then they get me a video visit with another physician within a matter of hours. I'm on the video uh, with this doctor. I, you know, show her my back and my stomach and she she sees the rash and she's like, yep, that's hundred percent shingles. Then the next thing I know, an hour and a half later, I get the antiviral medication delivered to my door um, from the pharmacy staff member. I mean, this was jaw dropping for me, even after having been a Kaiser member for many years, um, this level of uh, sort of service and uh, this level of hands-on care could be delivered completely virtually. And, you know, I was able to start the the medication literally within four or five hours of me contacting that advice nurse for the first time. And I did not have to step once outside the door. Going back to my original answer of, yeah, my my bar is hundred percent higher now. Um, I'm always going to be looking for that video visit. Even when I would have thought something like shingles can't be diagnosed unless you're in person. Not only was I able to get diagnosed, I got the right medication delivered to me. It was, it was amazing. So yeah, I think, I think patients are going to, uh, you know, think about leveraging telehealth, leveraging virtual care a lot more than they did before. And their bar for what they expect out of the systems will continue to increase. But it also got me thinking, it's not even for about the convenience for the likes of me. Of course, I love getting that medication delivered to me, but it really got me thinking um, if they can pull this off, not for me, but for the elderly or the disabled, or um, maybe those of us who are a little bit more lazy than others to get the medication delivered and get these patients um, on their medication adherence program. I mean, that, that could mean millions of savings for, for the, the, the healthcare system here. It probably costs the pharmacy, you know, 
20 bucks for someone to deliver that took them half an hour. And to think about what it could do for um, medication adherence of, um, you know, high risk individuals or those with chronic illnesses. And it was just, you know, very fascinating for me to think about. So I think all in all, we're going to be taking the experience uh, that we had, um, both the providers and the patients, and always thinking about how do we elevate this experience and learn from what we just had to go through and thinking about better balancing the in-person visits with these, um, you know, virtual workflows that can help drive outcomes, save costs, and really provide jaw-dropping experience for the patient. Wow, those are really two great case studies. How is Twilio thinking about in-person versus virtual patient experience? Um, I think I just alluded to this a little bit. Uh, how Twilio thinks about it is, we, you know, yes, virtual care is great, but that's not the end-all be-all. Um, many customer patients are going to have to come in to see their doctor, and that's really the best way to, for them to get care. So how, how Twilio thinks about it and how many of our customers um, think about it is augmenting that in-person experience with the right level of digital uh, transformation, the right level of digital aid. Um, one of the hot topics these days is as uh, patients get back to the, the systems, how do we enable them to do virtual check-in um, so that they don't have to you know, do this in-person thing in the waiting room? Are there ways to use technology to do some more automated triaging of uh, patients who have inbound questions um, that are on the web and want to ask a simple question. They don't have to, they don't want to have to call a call center and wait a whole bunch of, um, and go through a bunch of menu options. And so there's different ways of thinking about, um, you know, providing a more of a high touch uh, experience for the patient without necessarily putting more people to it through automation. Not only the patient experience, but also the physician experiences um, impacted by this as well. Um, are there ways to augment uh, what would have been a specialist consult done over in person to be done over the video or, you know, or telephone? Or is there an experience you can create for the patient who is sitting in the office with the PCP, but can have a live virtual consultation with a physician via video in a three-way conversation without the, uh, the specialist being there in person? Or, you know, things like translation services. Uh, you can be sitting in your office with a doctor and calling or video uh, conferencing in a translator to help uh, the dialogue while you're in person. These are some of the examples of how our customers are thinking about augmenting that in-person experience th through virtual means. So as healthcare organizations begin to take on virtual care, you know, as a long-term solution, what considerations should they be thinking about? I think one of the biggest things that we talk to our customers about is um, how do, we, how do we enable them to build a centralized uh, digital platform that will grow with them for the future versus piecemealing all of these different solutions that I have alluded to throughout our chat here today? So instead of buying just an appointment management or scheduling notification uh, solution or a telehealth solution, is there a single platform uh, on which our customers, the healthcare organizations can think about building their digital strategy and their digital front door for their patients. And that's really what um, we want to help and enable our customers to do. I think some of the other factors that we, you know, as a lesson learned from the pandemic is scalability. Like I mentioned, um, volume today doesn't necessarily have to be equal volume tomorrow. And as the organization continues growing, as adoption of digital means continue growing, you want a solution that you can completely rely on to scale with you. There's also the security aspect, which is very important making sure that you're building an enterprise-grade secured, secured uh, platform. And then the, the last bit, I think, is 
what we call agility and flexibility. If you think back on the the pandemic and where, where things have gone, um, first it it was all the everything shutting down. It was going into SIP and um, organizations needed to get in touch with their patients that you know appointments need to be canceled or rescheduled. Um, so it was all around SIP. And then it was return to work for the employees, return to slowly uh, opening up, you know, services as they needed. And then it was, you know, we were hit with the, the, the testing boom of how do we get tests, um, how do we get tests scheduled, coordinated, all of that. And now it's vaccination. And throughout it all, you know, the idea is if you built on the right platform, if you built, um, if you start right, you don't have to change uh, solutions because you went from vaccinations or testing to vaccinations, you want something that you can um, flex with, something that you can, um, in an agile manner, build on and tweak to meet the needs that are facing your organization today and and at that time. And so, again, uh, one of the things that we, we, um, we talk a lot about is, uh, is the platform, is the platform uh, agile, is it able to be flexed to meet the various use cases that are there today? but also the ones that you want to plan for the future. So um, yeah, as, as we think about a long-term strategy, um, thinking about a centralized platform that you can um, build on for flexibility and scalability is, is really key. So for me, I feel like the takeaways are that, you know, we're coming out of this pandemic and healthcare organizations are, you know, trying to decide whether their patients are going to want to come in more with those in-person visits or, you know, are perfectly happy with virtual care or, um, you know, a combination of both. And, and it's really, uh, as you were mentioning earlier, Christina, you know, augmenting that in-person uh, visit with the right touch of uh, virtual care. Um, and, and that personalizes the, the patient experience, um, you know, also helps with the physicians, you know, their experience as well with the patient. So, you know, making sure that you're giving the patients what they want um, post-pandemic and post, you know, having these experiences that they had with virtual care with the right amount of, you know, virtual care and in-person visit. And so the, the best way to do that is to make sure that you have a platform that can grow with you, you know, as your patient population shifts, whether, you know, they are doing a hybrid of both or one or the other. So um, that, you know, really speaks to personalization and the patient experience. Exactly. And the last thing I'll mention that I think, Patty, we want to think about is patients are uh, consumers too, right? You and I are are everyday consumers of um, every other uh, virtualization effort that um, the pandemic put, you know, put the world through, not just healthcare. And, and our expectations have been informed and they've been shaped for over the last 13, 14 months by what we've experienced throughout every other industry or every other service that we, we get. And so um, the last thing I'll sort of touch on is I think patients will and should continue to um, expect that out of their providers um, and not being able to see how uh, quickly healthcare organizations have been able to adopt when they were forced to. Um, and so, again, I talked about raising that bar. Um, I know we sort of talked uh, today uh, about um, the perspective of the, the healthcare organizations standing up a, a patient experience, patient engagement platform. But really, from a patient perspective, I think we all should continue to ask our providers and our provider organizations to raise the bar on how they interact with us and how they provide us information and communicate with us uh, virtually to, you know, give us better care, better access and, and control their costs. 
couldn't have said it better. Uh, Christina, thank you so much for your time and also thank our audience for listening and stay tuned for the final episode, episode three of Twilio's Patient Experience podcast series.